Today's global consumers clear in their demand for safe, affordable, and sustainable protein. To continue to meet these rising expectations requires both leadership and collaboration with food chain stakeholders, academia, and the veterinary community. Animal Health is pleased to amplify the voices of leaders throughout the protein supply chain here on this podcast, caring for animals and creating trust in food. Hello, and welcome back to the Caring for Animals and Creating Trust in Food podcast. I'm Jane Dukes, and I'll be your host as we focus this year on what consumers say they want more of, transparency from the food value chain from farm to table. We're going to answer your questions right here on our podcast. In our survey, two-thirds of consumers reported transparency in animal protein is extremely or very important, and we also discovered that only 35% of consumers surveyed feel the animal protein industry is transparent about sustainability or animal care and treatment. That's a gap we can help fill. We're going to dig into your questions on our podcast with the help of our expert guests, who will also discuss consumer and industry trends in agriculture and food. If you have a question, all you have to do is click the SpeakPipe link in the podcast show notes and let us know what it is. We'll try to get all of your questions answered on podcasts throughout the year. So let's get started. In celebration of National Ag Day, I am so excited to welcome my guests today, Tara Vanderdusen and Brandy Buzzard. Tara is an environmental scientist, dairy farmer, and online influencer. Some of you may know her as the New Mexico Milkmaid on social media. She's also a mom to two adorable little girls and the co-founder of Elevate Ag, a collection of courses to help farmers and ranchers share their stories. Brandy calls herself a Kansas cowgirl. She's also a rancher, mom, and author of a blog, Buzzard's Beat. She has a suite of resources to help others advocate for agriculture called Amped Up Advocacy. She says this is what happens when a passion for agriculture, the gift of storytelling, and the desire to help others collide at Mach 9. Both of these women are tireless advocates for agriculture with tens of thousands of followers on social media. Tara and Brandy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We're excited to share. Awesome. So in honor of National Ag Day, we're celebrating agriculture, and I can't think of two better guests to have on the pod. Tara, you've been on our podcast before, but please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and why you think it's important to celebrate agriculture today. Yeah, so I actually am an environmental consultant for dairy farms. I am a fifth generation dairy farmer as well, and I dairy farm with my husband and his family. But my day-to-day job on the dairy and for my clients' uh, dairies is doing environmental consulting. So water rights, permitting, all of that kind of thing. Um, I always joke it's like the back end of the dairy, the manure management, the lagoon. That's where I focus my work. And then, as you mentioned, sharing online is a big piece of my platform as well. And why do you think it's important to celebrate agriculture today on National Ag Day? I think it's so important to take a moment to just pause and like reflect on where our food comes from. I think probably now more than ever, consumers are doing that is kind of thinking about where their food comes from. They want to get to know the farmers that are feeding them, that are growing their food, producing their food. And so just stopping for a minute today to to recognize all of ag is such an important moment. Thanks, Tara. We're looking forward to your insights today. Brandy, you have a blog and you've written hundreds of posts about agriculture that led to some national media coverage, I understand. You grew up raising beef cattle and hogs, you said, on your hobby farm. What are the top one or two questions you were asked about beef and the industry and how do you answer them? Well, like Tara, my platform focuses pretty much very closely on sustainability, environmental conservation in agriculture, specifically the beef cattle side of it. I don't dip my toes into dairy because that is not my lane. So Tara does a fabulous job with that and I'll let her keep doing that and leading the charge there. 
But a lot of my questions focus on animal care. Um, I have a master's degree in animal well-being and behavior. So I do a lot of content on animal welfare and sustainability. So I get the the unsavory questions about like, how do you eat animals that you raise and see grow up on your ranch? And then I get the questions about, you know, we just had a cow go through a C-section on our ranch. And so I got a lot of questions about, you know, what happened? Will she recover? Will she rebreed? And those are questions coming from within agriculture, but also a good deal of my following on, on all my social platforms is actual grocery shoppers who are not, don't have a one-to-one point of contact with agriculture. And so I'm getting a lot of questions that are just basic questions about animal care, sustainability. Those questions Tara was mentioning about like what kind of emissions are coming from cattle. We get a lot of questions on our ranch about rotational grazing. We're we're very much into grass management. I call myself a, a grass geek. So we get questions about how we rotate through pastures. What do we do in a drought when we can't rotate as often because the growth isn't there? So my questions kind of focus mainly in that animal welfare and sustainability spaces. And that's great because like I said at the top of the show, you know, our transparency research showed that consumers aren't necessarily feeling that the industry is transparent about animal care and welfare and sustainability. So how do you find that consumers, your grocery shoppers that are, you know, commenting on your posts, how are they responding to the answers that you give and that transparency that you're providing? I think to some extent, we don't give grocery shoppers maybe enough credit for what they can handle. You know, there's always been a wall, like we want to give them information, but not too much because we don't want to scare them off. And I just, I'm going to show them everything. So maybe other people may not put this cow with this huge incision down its side on their social platforms. But I feel like if grocery shoppers can see how we truly do care and we're doing what we need to do, even if that means like expensive medical treatment to save an animal and a calf, like that's the right thing to do. And I think when we open ourselves up and are fully transparent like that, that builds even more trust with consumers. And and that's the goal is to not only build that trust with consumers, but to retain it so that when something bad happens in the industry or when they have questions about some report that comes out, the first person they think to ask of is me or if they, you know, maybe they think to ask Kara, but like when we create and retain that trust, we're able to become that one-on-one touch point for a grocery shopper. You know, we are their farmer or rancher in their mind. And I think that that's a, a great thing to pursue. That is great because, you know, oftentimes in the industry, I don't think it's a matter of not wanting to share, but we just wonder how much consumers want to know. And so I think if we look at your social media feeds and we see the, the questions people are asking and how you're answering them, that's a really good indication. All right. So both of your Instagram feeds are filled with posts about the cattle industry and environmental sustainability. I know you're going to have a lot to say about this. So here we go. What do you think the most common misconception is about cows and the environment? Tara, we'll start with you. How do we get the real story out there that cows are actually part of the solution? Yeah. So I think the biggest misconception is how much of a contributor cattle are. Like I constantly see like they are a major contributor or the biggest contributor and having to go back and have deeper conversations about that. The more I share online, that's what I think our challenge is, is having those nuanced conversations. It is not as simple as just telling them like, oh, well, our emissions are actually only 2% or 4% for all of cattle. I think dairy is about 2%. All of uh, animal ag is about 4% of total emissions. 
you can say that, but it also needs to like go a level deeper. I think a lot of times right now talking about sustainability, we can get carbon tunnel vision where all we are focused on is like making sure they know how much carbon emissions are for cattle. And instead, we need to be having these conversations like Brandy mentioned about, you know, the grasslands and and what rotational grazing can do. I obviously am a dairy. So we are in like a CAFO where our animals are confined. So having conversations about how dairy cattle are eating byproducts and different, you know, feedstock that we're able to feed dairy cows that otherwise would end up in landfill. So it just it's a very like nuanced conversation and can be hard to get across in like a TikTok or a reel when you've got about nine seconds to have these conversations. But kind of to Brandy's point, I think our consumers are actually really smart and they do want to understand agriculture better. And so we need to give them more credit and know that they can understand the complexities of animal welfare, but they can also understand the complexities of our food system and the ecosystems that our cattle are a part of. It's not this simple conversation of like, removing animal agriculture in order to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, because that creates this other host of problems from, you know, environmental to nutrition. And so really going that layer deeper with consumers, I think is like the key to moving forward with them. If they can't understand where we're at right now in agriculture, it's only going to get more difficult to kind of catch them up as we continue to progress and add new technologies. And as we continue to, you know, change things or, or just all of those systems We've really got to get them to where we're at now. So I think we got to give them a little bit more credit and get a little bit deeper with them. I think you're right. I think we do have to go a level deeper because the special interest groups are out there beating the drum every day, telling their side of the story, and they're not going a level deeper. I saw your post about agriculture's long shadow. Brandy, why don't you jump in here? How do we get the real story out there that cows are actually part of the solution and, and go that level deeper, like Tara said? to share information with consumers that help them feel good about agriculture. Well, I think Tara hit the nail right on the head that it's not just about spouting numbers, right? We've seen, you know, lots of consumer research over the past, I don't know, like 15 years. It shows that just shooting scientific numbers out doesn't really resonate. It is nuanced. It's science and emotion and storytelling. And, and it's easier to convey a message if you can have common ground with people and that they can understand where you're coming from. So I think it is important to tell stories of rotational grazing. Food waste is such a big deal in the United States. We waste 40% of our food from farm to fork in the United States. We don't really have a food production issue. We have a food waste issue. And talking about how cattle, both on the beef side and dairy, how they like reuse and upcycle that food waste into beef, that's a great story. Um, and you can pair that you know, next to this is how many emissions come from the cattle industry. And this is, you know, how they contribute back to our food supply or back to conservation and, and reducing carbon emissions. We can put all these different pieces together in a story and you don't have to include all of them because like Tara said, we're trying to do these in short little clips on social media, but pulling in two or three kind of interesting segments and along with a little scientific piece makes a really nice cocktail of information to share with someone. So I think it's important to talk about, yes, that cattle emissions are overstated. However, let's talk about the good things that they do in terms of carbon sequestration, reducing food waste, preserving grasslands and things like that. So I think that there's a lot to be said for, for focusing on those other aspects. I agree. And, you know, it's it's amazing how much you can share at a nine second spot. <laughs> I think that if we're connecting on a shared value and acknowledging that the consumer has concerns and we can say we share your concerns and that's why, you know, we work hard every day to do what we do. So on the bigger topic of sustainability, sustainability is a big word. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. 
on the farm or the ranch. It can mean sustaining that family, you know, generation after generation. So Tara, we'll start with you. What does sustainability mean on the dairy farm? And how are dairy producers increasing their sustainability? So I always think of sustainability as threefold. You have to be environmentally sustainable, but you also have to be financially sustainable and socially sustainable. And so I think that brings in like, you know, the finance side as well as like the human size, like the family, the generational, your labor force, all of those things also play into your sustainability. And so anytime I feel like we're looking at anything, doing anything, changing anything on the dairy, adding a new technology to make it more sustainable, we have to take into account all those other factors, as well as the long term, like the longevity of the sustainability I've seen a lot of cases where people have implemented new technologies for them to be, you know, replaced or upgraded in just a few years. And so really trying to think out long term what sustainability looks like, not just jumping on like maybe the sustainability trend at the moment of what's going on and just really thinking about what you're implementing, how you're implementing it and how it's going to play into your farm. Every farm across the country is so different. I will let Brandy get into the beef side, but dairy, I mean, it's vastly different if you're a dairy farmer in New Mexico than somebody in Michigan. And so anytime we're looking at implementing anything, it's a good idea to go to farms that are more similar to ours, see what's working, what are people trying, have these conversations. And that's not to say to not try different things and new things, but just taking into account what your actual sustainability and your natural resource concerns are. So for our farm, our biggest resource concern is water conservation. That's not going to be the same issue for a dairy farmer across the country. And so a lot of the technologies we're looking at, or not even technologies, just the things we're looking at implementing are around water conservation. So drought tolerant crops, a lot of dry land farming, being really conscientious of our, you know, crop rotations that we're using. Those are some of the things that we're kind of focused on. And that's why sustainability is so hard is because it's absolutely different for every single farm across the country. So a cow is not a cow. You know, it could be a dairy cow, it can be a beef cow. And the issue is so much greater than greenhouse gas and emissions, which seems to be where the activists are focused. How do we move the conversation to this broader conversation of it? It involves many things. Tara? I do feel like there's been kind of a shift of people like actually having more deeper conversations. And I think that's been really cool to see. I mean, we're on a podcast. So I feel like podcasting has been a great way. I know like on Discover Ag, our podcast, we are able to go a layer deeper. We were talking about how, you know, nine second videos don't give you a ton of time to get things across. But with, you know, 40 minutes, you can really like dive into some deeper conversation, which is really great. And so I think there is a lot of resources that we're able to utilize now in order to have these conversations. I think what I've just seen literally in the last week is I feel like we were finally on the offense in the last like maybe year, two years, three years, especially with COVID, like the pandemic created kind of this window of opportunity for farmers to kind of like have people's attention and have people having these conversations about the food system. But I have noticed a shift again, where it seems like we've made some really great headway. We've had some really great talking points. We've really gotten our points across. And I've seen a lot of, you know, activist groups or or different organizations kind of take the conversations that have been going on. And again, like twisting towards, you know, their narrative and what their agenda is. So I think we have to kind of like stay on our toes and be kind of thinking about new ways to bring people into the conversation, new ways to reach people. But I, I do feel like there's been a really positive movement. And I don't know, I'd be curious to get Brandy's take on it. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Tara. Um, I remember, I don't know, when I got started doing this kind of stuff like 14 years ago that there was a video of the month, that's what we used to call it, 
I worked in issues and crisis management um, with National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and that we called it the video of the month because it seemed like every month there was a undercover video from a hog farm or a dairy farm or a cattle operation. It was just something. And so it seemed like that was always happening. And then we were always having to worry about HSUS or PETA. And honestly, knock on wood, it feels like what you said. Like, don't it feels jinx like, it. <laughs> I have to say it now. <laughs> I started it, but I don't, it doesn't feel like we're behind the eight ball. Is that the right phrase? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know that we're like ahead of the race and we're winning, but it doesn't feel like we're just getting stomped on every single month. It feels like we don't have to be as reactionary and that we can breathe and have time to have deeper, meaningful conversations that are predicated on what we want to talk about. Like if I want to talk about rotational grazing or some of the byproducts that my cattle consume, I have time to do that and think about ways to create meaningful content to achieve that goal because I'm not having to respond every month to this catastrophic video. So part of that, I think, is that agriculture has gotten better, but it definitely feels like we're not just getting bombarded all the time. Right, right. I agree. So, okay, let's move on. Consumers are three to four generations removed from the farm and they want more information than ever before about how their food is grown and raised. Farmers and ranchers are feeling the pressure of this changing dynamic and and perceptions and sometimes misperceptions of the food chain. Consumers and what they want out of food is also changing. They're using food more as a means to achieve better health. So how do those of us in agriculture share the true story of agriculture, and and we've been talking about this, but let's just really dial it in that particularly on National Ag Day, how do we celebrate the abundance of what agriculture provides? Yeah, so I mean, I think we can all agree that I feel like probably every farmer or rancher at this point in time has heard like, go tell your story, like share it online. And a lot of farmers and ranchers are just unsure. I mean, I think there was some like, obviously trailblazers like Brandy, like who jumped in there and like were able to just start sharing and just felt so confident. Maybe not. There's probably there's probably times you didn't feel confident, Brandy, but you charged ahead anyway. Um, But for some people, it is so intimidating to just pick up your phone and start sharing. And so I know Brandy has resources as well. We have Elevate Ag where we just wanted to be able to share with people like, hey, this is what we've learned. Like, I never want to feel like a gatekeeper of information when it comes to sharing about agriculture online. I want people to feel absolutely confident in sharing their message, their story, if that's something that they choose to do. And so when farmers, ranchers leave conferences feeling like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to go share my story. I just wanted to make sure they had a place to turn to to get information about what that could actually mean what that can mean for their farm, how they could integrate it into their everyday life, and just kind of some of the back end stuff of what it looks like sharing on social media and on different platforms. Because I think if every single farmer and rancher shared their story online, I don't think there would be enough of us sharing. Like every single farmer rancher out there is going to reach somebody different. And that's why it's so important to have so many of us sharing our message is because we're going to connect and relate with people differently. And so the more of us that can be sharing, obviously, the bigger impact that we can have, the stronger voice that we can have. And we can really show how uh, dynamic agriculture is when there's a ton of voices sharing, how different it is across the country. Um, And I think that's really powerful as well. It is. And I think that we have to acknowledge that farming and ranching is a hard job. It's a 24 by 7, 365 days a year. And so now in addition to taking care of their animals, you know, we want them to find, carve out a little time in their day to share their stories. But that's the only way we're going to get there. And that leads me to my next question, which I've often been asked, and I don't like this question, but we hear the phrase corporate or factory farm using conversations about farming in the media. 
how do you respond to that? I know how I respond to it. And how do we get that message across that 98% of farms in, in America are family owned and, and share that picture of what that really looks like? Brandy, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. So I, I get that comment a lot, factory farming. Like if I share a video of our cows grazing, I get comments. It's like, well, it's not your ranch. It's a problem. It's all the other corporate big farms. And so I fire right back. Corporation is a way to file your taxes. I mean, size doesn't matter when it comes to agriculture, big or small, we all need to be on the same team. And so when I get that, usually the first thing I say when I see the word corporate is that a corporation is a way to file your taxes. And I also share the fact that like, according to USDA, like the average herd size is like 42 beef cows or something like that. I'm not sure what it is on the dairy side, but like, I think that consumers think that the average ranch is like five or 600 cows. And there's nothing wrong with having five or 600 cows. That's a goal I aspire to have. But I, I tell people like, we have more cows than what you would probably call a small family farm, according to the USDA. And this is what it looks like. And we are not unique in that. Like this is what tons and tons and tons and hundreds of thousands of beef cattle operations look like in the United States. There's just this stigma the old McDonald farm was great when we were growing up as a nursery rhyme, but it is not helping us anymore. The imagery of a red barn and a few cows around. I, I actually do have a big red barn, interestingly enough, but the imagery of a red barn and like a farmer with straw in his teeth and like a couple cows running around and chickens in the farm, that isn't helping us with grocery shoppers anymore because it's painting a unrealistic picture of modern agriculture. And so I think it's important, again, to be transparent and say that like, that's not the way we are in agriculture anymore. If you want us to go back to cutting our beef production in half and go back to 1950, we can do that. But prices are going to go up significantly. Animal care is going to go down. We're going to lose a lot of scientific advancements that we've made. So I think it's time to put old McDonald in the past and not embrace that vision anymore, or the imagery, and really focus on telling a story, an authentic story around modern agriculture and that you can have more than 40 cows, more than 100 cows, and it's still a very good welfare setting and is sustainable and that you don't have to have 20 cows to be a family farm. Tara, what about you? How do you get that story across of what the family farm really looks like today? Yeah, I have found just addressing it so head on. I have been on a few podcasts recently that they, they use the word factory farming a ton in the conversation and just being like upfront, like, hey, listen, if you saw my farm, if you knew the numbers, like you'd absolutely consider us a factory farm. And just like always funny to see their reactions, their facial expressions like, well, no, like you're on because you're supposed to be sharing about family farms. And it's like size does not determine whether something is a family farm or not. So our family dairy farm would be, quote unquote, a factory farm. And yet it's my husband, his dad, four of his brothers on it. I do environmental consulting work like it is absolutely a family affair. I live about 100 steps to our close up pen. Like, I don't know how much more family it can get than that. And yet we would be a factory farm. Also, like our cheese all of our milk goes to the cheese plant and it's actually the world's largest cheese plant. It produces a ton of craft cheese, Walmart cheese, you know, Subway cheese, like what people would think about as like not good quality cheese. And I know our milk quality and I know the farms around us milk quality. It is amazing quality milk that's going into producing those name brand cheeses. And I just want people to know they can go in, like especially when you consider people's budget and inflation right now. I never want someone to go to the grocery store and feel like the food they're getting is not as good quality or is not as superior as something else just because it doesn't cost as much. 
you can have really great quality beef, cheese, yogurt, you know, the gallon of milk. I mean, I buy the cheapest gallon of milk that is on the grocery store shelf and I feel great about it. And I want other people to feel the same way. I want to build off of what Tara said there with the factory farm because I kind of focused on corporations. But when I get a factory farm comment, particularly on Instagram, I just turn around and ask that person. I'm very direct head on person for those who are just getting introduced to me. And I just asked them, I was like, can you tell me what a factory farm is? And I very rarely get an answer back because people can't define it. It's a term that they have heard thrown around and be weaponized by animal rights activists and animal rights organizations and PETA and HSUS for 20 years, but they don't know what that looks like. They just think a factory farm is big. I feel like they don't have any other criteria around factory farm other than it must be big and big in their mind equals bad. And that's so disheartening because that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. And it it didn't help that a major retailer was classifying farmers as factory farmers. So um, moving on, as as we get ready to wrap up, let's just talk about for one last time, you know, with so much going on in this space, the farm to table space, how do we strive to be more transparent no matter where we sit in the food value chain? One of the things I think is important is featuring all of the facets of agriculture. I think that it can be really easy, you know, if you have, I'll pick on beef, sorry, Brandy, but um, that, you know, you have cattle grazing out on pasture. Like, I love that picture. Actually, Brandy, it's funny you're saying like, oh, we share the real life things because as a dairy farmer, I'm like, oh man, I wish I had picturesque cows grazing out on pasture. That's not the reality of dairy farming. Our cows are in corrals. They have stanchions. And so sharing, like, I think all of those different facets, it's really important. It's like having cattle out on pasture is beautiful and needed. Having cattle in dairy is also really needed. Or even having feedlots is really needed. Like being able to explain all of those different areas is like crucial. And I, and I know Randy does this. that She says like, hey, ultimately, like, My cows are what ends up in a grocery store, like or me saying my milk is what ends up in your grocery store. You don't have to buy if you want to buy directly from a farmer or rancher. That's amazing. But also you can just buy really great products at the grocery store. And so being able to highlight like why all of those things are important and how they make our greater food system really strong and stable, I think, is a crucial piece. Your cows look so much cleaner and prettier than mine do, Tara. <laughs> they just look horrible right now. They don't today. We got a little, the smallest amount of rain last night and now 40 mile an hour winds today. So it's not very picturesque here, but no, it is true. Like, you know, it's not always picturesque. Um, I love sharing the picturesque things of agriculture because I think people love to relate to that and they love to feel like that, like romanticized version of agriculture. But uh, to Brandy's point, there is lots of other things that go into agriculture besides just the romanticized version of agriculture. I agree. And and uh, listening to you talk about the weather is exactly why I broke up with winter and left the Midwest and moved to sunny Florida where it's summer every day. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been a great conversation. Thank you, Tara and Brandy, for joining us today to advocate for agriculture on National Ag Day. Thanks also to our listeners. We'd love for you to rate, review, or subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We'll be back next month to talk about steak and eggs. Be sure to click the link in the podcast show notes and submit your questions about agriculture and food for our upcoming guests. You'll also find helpful links to Tara and Brandy's resources there too. We'll see you next month. 